Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the Hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, and all the opinions we can muster, and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Emma Sexton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Campbell. But Harriet Minter is missing this week, and I'm standing in for her. But we are joined by the amazing Melanie Eusebi. Hello, Melanie. Ooh, cute cheering. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks for having me. So, and coming up today, we're going to be talking about femtech and the period drama around that. Also about breastfeeding at work and also what do we think about gender neutral awards. So, our news stories this week. Nat. So, I'm going to start with gender neutral awards. Um, I'm sure most people have seen the MTV uh, television and film awards, ha- awards happened and there was, you know, Lots of hand clapping because they announced this gender neutral category um, for best actor. Emma Watson won. And, you know, on one hand, I'm I'm all for it. The Grammys have had a gender neutral category for years in in, in terms of record of, of the year. And I do think it's with something like acting, it is a completely level playing field. It's not like sport where there is a, a physical advantage. But I have in mind, you know, what happens if we get into into a position where we have these categories and it's consistently men that win? I also don't think we're actually ready. We don't have equality when it comes to women. So to have a, a category and, and, and think that having these categories is the, you know, the, 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 the fix, the super fix to all of society's woes, that to me sort of feels a, a bit regressive. And I also think that MTV is... No, they know their audience. They're they're appealing to a, a younger demographic that are completely engaged with this whole conversation about gender binary and gender gender neutral um, ways of living. But what I don't want to see is that we completely forget that we still need to be celebrating the work of women yeah. and what we do and shining a light. So I I I would like to see, I guess, balanced categories, but I don't want to see female-only categories disappear across the board. Did it feel, for me, it felt like a bit of a PR stunt. It was almost like, oh, okay, everyone's talking about this gender topic, so maybe we'll have some gender-neutral awards. Because I don't think they're the first award ceremony that's had gender-neutral awards. For film and television, they, they are. Right. Okay. But not Obviously not for music um, and not for, for, for business categories. So Melanie runs the, the Bubbers and, and that, is, well, you can tell us what it's yeah. all about. Well, I'm, I totally agree with you. I don't think that we're in a place where we can have neutral any awards because, well, on one hand, what it will what it will do is force us to look at the pipeline. Can you imagine if Emma Watson didn't win? Can you imagine like, yeah. if we did gender neutral awards and then a dude won? Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal won for some movie, let's say. Right? Yeah, that would be an up, we'd up, be up, in, up in arms. Exactly. So I think with them, um, so I won the Black British Business Awards and the reason even though in the first two years it was absolutely fantastic and celebrated, what it forced us to do is look at the pipeline. 
toward, you know, getting award. And that's where the real gap is. And so, yeah, kind of actor, actress of the year, fantastic. But then if you're looking at the directors, you're looking at the producers, you're looking at the writers, the script writers, and all of a sudden that's where you see the real gap that women's stories aren't being represented, women aren't being represented. And hopefully MTV doing this, it'll shine light into the pipeline. But uh, I don't know if that's going to work. Yeah. Too but, much too soon then. But the RH was, was on uh, Good Morning Britain arguing with, with peers. And I, I, you know, she definitely made a great point. I just don't think we've come far enough. And I also, so for listeners out there, we have a sisterhood code. We don't say negative things about <laughs> other women. But... Because Lorraine has flagged this point, I want to back up Lorraine. <laughs> Lorraine Kelly. Lorraine From Kelly. Good Morning Britain. On Good Morning Britain said something about Emma Watson. You know, she's a bit wet or a I bit weird. I think she said weepy. she's a bit annoying and, and everybody, no one had admitted it. Yeah. So I have been saying this for years. <laughs> oh, no. I have at- categorically been saying Emma Watson for me, I don't know why we've made her the saviour of women. She is, you know, when I think about the day that we take over the world, Emma Watson is not at the front but of what, that, that charge. But what is it that annoys you the most about her? She's just wet. <laughs> She's absolutely But wouldn't you rather wet. have somebody doing something and speaking out than nobody? But to me, it's all staged. It's all staged. And I've said this before. I feel like her agent has been like, Emma, you know, you're not getting any roles at the minute, love. So, uh... <laughs> Talk about feminism. Talk about talk about something. It'll get you on the front of papers and, you know, people will, will, will call you the saviour person. Her UN speech thought it was wet. Well, Awful. I feel like we could have a whole other show on Emma Watson. I think anybody who's going to speak out for us and try and change things, I'm all for them, whether they annoy me a bit or not. That's not true. Mm. The thing <laughs> is I'm looking though. at your face right now. But anyway, I don't want to dwell on it. I just want to say, Lorraine, thank you for saying something because I think everyone skirts around the issue that a certain person has lots of profile, talks about women, and I don't think it's... I, I don't see the validity or the, the kind of the real authenticity behind it. Talking so I'm just putting that out there. Talking about women, there was an article that uh, I was uh, flagged up to me this week and it was about the secret to women's success that no one's talking about, which was about us being able to track our periods and our cycle to make sure that we could perform better at work. Now, I think this is genius. I've been using a lot of these tech products that allow you to track your cycle and I am actively now avoiding booking things on certain days when I know I'm not going to be at like at my best you know we've got to so I just wondered what you two thought about that I love it I when I realized that there were you know so my cycle is every 23 days if anyone was interested (laughs) (laughs) and I thought well you know what there are three days of the month where I will always hibernate so I'm always out there out there out there but there are three days where I'm in the onesies and with the dog at home and so now I'm not saying that I'm uh, avoiding life. However, I do say that if there is something that I can reschedule around it, I will do so. And I will also make sure that I'm exercising on that day because I always feel better. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is it really... It, it's almost about knowledge. It's about that information being out yeah, there. Because before I just didn't know. You know, I, I only learned that information when I was 40. There was some ridiculous Facebook kind of uh, infographic and I was like wow that's me that's me so it's no. great you know Nat what do you think are you I, tracking are you no, tracking your cycle no no I wake up in the morning and I you know determine what's in my diary I get dressed I whack on some lipstick get myself out there do what I need to do and if I'm if I don't feel that great I come home sit on the sofa have a cup of tea do you know what wine. I, I don't get it I aspire to your badassness but I've certainly got to say the first couple of weeks of my cycle I am the epitome of badass and then slowly over the month <laughs> it gets really harder to literally end the month I'm like I am a badass I am a badass I can do this I'm a shell of a badass on those three days <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See it. but you don't need technology to tell you this and you don't need technology to tell you how you feel I mean tech has its role but I, I, I just don't buy into it I really don't yeah fair enough there are some days where I need the affirmative you know I just need to know that in my head I may have to do my I have to convince myself just a little bit more there are some days where I leap out of bed today I leapt out of bed but tomorrow you know I have to convince myself yeah, not and so how much. do you we, where do we teach this how, how else are women supposed to know 
about the hormonal fluctuation. I've only been using these apps this year and it's starting to change my life because all those days that I struggled or those weeks and they would absolutely exhaust me or kill me and I'm like, I don't have to do this. I can make sure that I can really boss these things by booking them on different days. Like, I find it incredible. But then I'm also aware of the sort of psychosomatic of going, oh, look at this, my text telling me that actually today I'm just going to be really moody. <laughs> and then he's like, the whole exactly. day being a bitch. Exactly. <laughs> but then, then I know it's better for me to be silent. Those days are the days where I stay home and I write because there are sometimes my mouth will get away. Like I will lacerate you with my tongue. <laughs> and so I know there are three days where you may not want to speak to me. That's it. It's good. Knowledge is power then, I think. Mm. I think. Mel, what was your story this week? So this week, Senator Larissa Waters became the first Australian politician to breastfeed in Parliament. Go, girl. Exactly. So there's a picture on the BBC News and um, with her, her daughter, Alia Joy. And, you know, the questions posed, breastfeeding in public, but really breastfeeding at work. What on earth are we thinking? So some people are, you can see the protests that, you know, women shouldn't be whipping them out, quote unquote. But then on the other hand, you know, there are some particular university professors. They're saying, wait a minute, I can lecture and breastfeed. This doesn't impact my job at all. And quite frankly, it's a natural part of life. And so... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of up in I'm, I'm up in the air about it. I think that women should be whipping out whatever they want, whenever they want. However, on the other hand, if we're all not doing it, it all it, it still seems to turn into a spectacle where people are staring and then people are distracted from what she's doing and, and you know, working at rather than. Yeah, it, so it's a bit confusing we, to me. We get a bit shy around boobs. Now, what are your thoughts? It's not shy. So so I, I'm of the position. I don't need to do something to validate your ability to do it. Do whatever you want. If your child is hungry, breastfeed. I would do the same too. I personally just wouldn't have my body out in public, but that's my issue. I've spoken about this in the gym. I don't wear little bits of clothes in the gym. I, I cover my body. It's my issue. So I'm whip it out wherever you want. If you want to do it in parliament, I, you know, the MEP that used to take her breastfed and took her, her, her daughter um, into the European parliament, I am all for it but don't make me have to do something because it, you want it to be mainstream and commonplace if i don't want to do it i shouldn't have to but what's all this fuss about getting boobs out i mean i got on the tube the other day and the sun newspaper was out you were gonna and, say, like, was going... and i got my boobs out i don't know why i thought that was you know coming what? next if there was an opportunity so right. now i would be there you know me so right. <laughs> but like you know that you can we can look at boobs when they're like sexualized and they're being sexy and they're on page three of a newspaper exactly. but you can't look at a, a boob when it's out breastfeeding a child to me that's just like like how what? <laughs> no, but who's who's saying who's saying that? I I, society. I don't mind uh, society. Yeah. society. People yes. get really upset yeah. when the woman gets her boobs out to breastfeed her, her child, but they don't get upset when they're looking through a newspaper yeah. and there's a, a woman on page three, and it's you know I'm like, yeah, that's just got to stop. Like the thing is, it's almost like nudity though. So when you go to a nude beach, really comfortable to be nude because everyone else is nude, but when it's just the one or the two it's almost like we all have to get our breasts out to show solidarity okay you go first <laughs> <laughs> okay we're going to take a small break whilst we bring in our next guest for um our second section which is emma gannon she's a blogger author speaker and also a podcast host uh, podcast host don't forget that if you've got any questions for us do tweet us at badass badass women's hour hr and we'll see you after the break Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour and all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here at Talk Radio. I'm Emma Sexton and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell. But Harriet Minter isn't here this week. So we are we have a guest badass for you, which is Melanie Eusebi. And we are joined by our special guest this week, which is Emma Gannon. Hi, Ooh. Emma. Thanks for having me. It's very exciting. So, Emma, tell us about yourself. Um, well, this is my worst nightmare, actually, summing oh. up what I do. Not this radio show with you. Love you guys. It's more, what do you do is my, the, literally the worst question. I think it's because I'm one of those annoying slashy people that people love to make fun of. Millennials <laughs> that don't have one job. Um, but as you introduced me, I guess um, I'm an author. My book 
came out last year. The kind of paperback, smaller version is coming out later in the summer, so that'll get another push. Writing my second book, which annoyingly I can't talk about yet because it's a perfect format to plug it, but that'll have to wait. Um, I have a podcast which has grown from a tiny little seed into something that I'm kind of employing some other people to run with me because I can't manage it. Can't manage how many people want to come on it, which is really great. Um, So I love that. And I'm a blogger as well. Do a lot of talks, met an athlete at a talk, yeah. which, and I was very inspired by you, so Aww. this is very exciting for me. Um, so yeah, lo- lots of different things really, so and, I, and I- I'm trying to be kind of someone that doesn't pigeonhole myself. Okay, so I found a really interesting fact about you. You were born oh. in 1989, which was the year that the World Wide Web was conceived, so you've basically grown up with the internet. Yeah, that's kind of the whole crux of the book, because I feel like to write a book you have to sum it up in a very, very small sentence for anyone to care. And I thought, that's actually quite interesting. Like, we all talk about the internet like it's kind of boring and technology is like, yeah, whatever, we live in a technology world. But if you think about it, it's as old as me. It's as old as Taylor Swift, who named her album 89. But it's as old as some 20-somethings. So it's not that new. It's not that old. Um, And isn't that quite interesting? Yeah. And also, tell us about millennials. We hear an awful lot about millennials. They come up all the time. I hear it all the time in kind of business context. There's like this misunderstanding about what millennials are. And like, what would you say a millennial is? Um, I think it's it's an interesting one. I think we bridged the gap between teenagers now who literally came out of the womb with an iPad. I didn't have that. I had to wait till I was 16 to get a phone. But at the same time, my whole career is based around being good at the internet because all of these things that have made me successful are lucky things that I've grown up with in a millennial generation, which has been given technology. I've been given the ability to mess around with it in in private. So you can't look back at what I did when I was 12, but equally I'm I'm good at making things. I know how to code a website from scratch because of MySpace. It's fine. But um, it's also an interesting generation because by 2020, we're going to make up around 70 to 75% of the workforce. But people hate working with us. We're so annoying. I'm I'm the worst person in an office, which is why I work for myself now. What do you think is the most annoying thing about millennials in the workplace? I think we've learned to shortcut things. I think I don't like I don't really care about being on mainstream media anymore. I'm quite mean about doing it the old way is so boring for me and I know how to kind of cut through things. Like I don't believe in hierarchy in the workplace. Like I'm that person who's in the meeting being like, well, why are we doing it that way? And everyone's like, excuse me, we're all in our 50s and we've been working on our lives. You're, that's quite disrespectful for someone who in their 20s to be like, I don't like the way you're doing it. But that's because I, I want to do it a different sure, way. Yeah. So people think millennials are entitled. And that, what I just said, sounds entitled. What do you think will happen you know, when you're the 50-year-old? And, you know, you're in a room with a generation that, you know, ha- they did come out of the womb with, with an iPad. How will you maintain your, your relevancy? And um, I, I guess, have you thought about it? You know, what, what, what's next once you're not the in thing? What's, is it Gen Z now is the one that everyone's talking yes. about? Yes, Gen, Z- Gen Z, yeah, yeah. like centennials, I yeah. think they're called. But yeah, that's, what's, that's scary. But I think what's interesting is, there's a stat, and I can't remember the exact stat, but it's like it's it's a big one about that generation. Most of the jobs haven't been mm-hmm. um, created yet, yeah. and I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, you get handed a career leaflet, and it's like you could be a vet, or mm-hmm. I think I did a quiz, and I was going to be a town planner. Ooh. Don't think, don't think so. Um, towns would just have loads of libraries, um, <laughs> but yeah. So I think what's interesting is we don't know what their jobs are going to be. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think we shouldn't ever sort of call teenagers like silly or sort of say they're addicted to. Snapchat but what do you think your because... job would be? Because I, I always, you know, as women in, in industries, especially when we're um, building our own future and, and determining our own our own fate, we kind of have to forward plan. Mm-hmm. So where do you see yourself? going where do you, what do you see yourself shifting into if you're not going into the mainstream but then I'm saying that and I'm like but at some point what you do will become the mainstream yeah so wh- yeah so where do you go what is next for the millennials and I say I'm a I'm a millennial too <laughs> you're an I old just millennial made, yeah I'm, I'm the old millennial like I just made the cusp of being millennial so that's a really interesting one because actually like you say I think the whole like lots of establishment establishments that we think are very solid in the ground aren't actually that solid Mm. so for example like maybe something like the BBC like that might be a news channel in 10 years time will it be a like media content channel Mm -hmm. who knows because the internet is allowing us 
like you only exist if people are listening to it or mm. watching it. Mm-hmm. And so I think millennials are going to f- kind of foster that relationship with the younger generation of really celebrating freedom of voice, um, activism. Like teenagers now are so clever. I interviewed Rowan Blanchard. She's 14 for my podcast and I just learned so much from her. It's reverse mentoring. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we all learn a lot from that generation. Who, who is Rowan? So she's um, she's... Do you know Boy Meets World? It's a Disney program. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Girl Meets World is about the kids of Boy Meets World. Oh, wow. Okay. And she's the main star. Like She's on the cover of Love magazine, I think, or or something this, this month. She's, she's a huge star. She's only 14. It's kind of like a Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana thing. But in her spare time, she's, you know, she's fighting for um, anti-gun legislation she's a raving feminist she mm-hmm. doesn't believe in in gender she like she's she's amazing and at 14 i wasn't like that mm-hmm. emma you're getting some incredible people on your podcast you had lena durham on there you've had seth godin who i think is amazing and you had lily singh i really loved that interview mm. but can you tell us more about how it started because you've literally you were, you were employed in when you started your podcast and your podcast has now spin out and become your job like how did that all start how did that come about so the podcast for me is a place where i don't I'm not trying to get a headline of someone. That was my job. I had to condense an interview into an interesting headline. Not so much clickbait. I was working for really great women's magazines, but at the same time, I had an editor being like, well, what's your hook? And, you know, how can we sell it? And I've had instances where I've come out of an interview, really bonded with someone, and they've said, hey, can you not put this in the headline? And then someone's edited it and changed it. And it's and, and I don't like that. I'm not a journalist, I've realised, because I don't like screwing people over. Um, so actually, I like the idea of having a podcast and the guest knows I'm not in it for a, an agenda. They know that I'm not in it for a scoop. I'm in it for a good conversation and I'm in it for someone to listen to it and be inspired. So, for example, you know, all of my interviews, like one with Gillian Anderson, for example, I don't talk about the X-Files on it. I don't care about that stuff. I'm getting to the heart of her as a human. And I think we need more of that. You know, the media does want to gloss over things, I think. See, now this is where the the old millennials are like, but the X-Files were huge! (laughs) I remember I used to stay up until, well, like, whatever, like 9, 10, which was pretty late back then, and watch it. And I was obsessed, and I was obsessed with the will they ever get together but I'm not interested in watching it now. But that's like, no, for me, I that have massive yeah. respect for that. It's just interesting that guests really appreciate not being asked about the same old stuff. stuff. Yeah. And also, I, I really research them and I try not to repeat questions with them. Um, and like with Lena Dunham, you know, that episode is, um, is very, very different from other mainstream interviews, I'd say. Mel, how do you think uh, millennials fit into kind of modern day workplaces? I think that they're uh, modern day. So I think that there are two types of workplaces. So if we're looking at workplaces that are typically bricks and mortar, then they're scared. And they're like, oh, and we have to get consultants. <laughs> we don't know what's going on because they're just so entrenched. <coughs> but on the other hand, if you're looking at some of our newer businesses, just businesses who aren't based on, you know, having a building, a physical building, then, the, you know, totally in tune. Quite frankly, the millennial either built it or, <laughs> you know, they were just a big part of the workforce. And so I think in general, I remember I, when I first started working um, on computers and then I started, uh, this new thing came, it was the internet and I was 18. And then, I, you know, I've been growing up with the internet in terms of working on the internet for so long and I guess can't imagine what's going to happen next. And so the entitled millennials, as we like to call them, I can't wait to see when the new kind of generation comes after them, how, mm-hmm. what what's going to happen? How are we going to incorporate them? And how are we going to regard these newer people? Because it feels like every generation always kind of looks back behind them and says, really, guys? You guys are too entitled. <laughs> really? <laughs> is, this, is this what you call music? <laughs> no, the same refrain yeah, every generation. And there's a point when you get... So I can't wait to see how our millennials now will regard the kind of generation afterwards. Mm. But quite frankly, everyone's scared. I think anyone over the age of 42, 45, scared of millennials. Yeah, true. Yeah. But it's an interesting one because um, it will be the first generation, it'll be the first digital native generation to Mm. to have... a generation who are also digital natives. Yeah. So so maybe the gap will be slightly closer mm-hmm. only because they'll look to us and they'll see some commonality whereas I look to some older colleagues and I'm like I don't get it. 
we're so different. So how do you deal with the whole kind of uh, the switch for uh, the switch from branding being kind of part, you know, agency life and, you know, big agencies and now people really just controlling and creating their brands themselves mm-hmm. online direct. And and then how do they how do you actually turn brands into a real job where you're kind of, you know, eating? Yes. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> podcasts. No, wait, podcasts yeah. are great, but at the end of the day, like how are you actually living and then yeah. because that's what the the accusation is is that you're focusing on this instagram life on this snapchat life but really like you know how are you kind of ex- exchanging products and services with the economy and getting mm-hmm. money yeah know? that's yeah. a great question that's a really good question um well that's like that is the badass in me to be honest because yeah. i will i will hold my hands up and admit like i am quite good at monetizing things and i don't do stuff for free anymore and and that's you know i i really respect my past of being in big agencies like I worked in commercial teams at big at Condé Nast and Bauer Media and I worked for Dove for quite a few years and you know I learned how those guys make money I'm not saying I make as much money as them obviously duh but um a small piece of the pie and I understand how to commercialize something and sell it in and pitch it in mm-hmm. and with my podcast I've obviously got the numbers like I'm about to hit a million downloads which is like Amazing. a good round yeah. number yeah. so, I, so I don't have my soundboard but <laughs> if my soundboard would be doing all of the celebration music they'd be like yeah. she's yeah, a badass she's a badass when I actually hit I'm like nearly there when I actually hit that actual like last zero I'll be like yes and fully make a big deal out of it but so I think um but also it's an audience who people want to people want to talk to millennials mm. i have students i have 20 somethings i have 30 somethings and of course i've got listeners who range uh, below and above those but that's a core audience for some brands and i'm working with brands that only i resonate with um i actually had 50 shades of gray ads removed from a podcast recently because i was just like i don't want that on there and so i'm in control of who i'm working with and that's really nice but i so when you said that and you said you know i hold my hands up i heard an apology for being badass and an apology for making money <laughs> and but, but and i think we need we need to get out of that yeah. because if we were sitting here with men they would not be apologizing for it and i think yeah. that's part of the challenge that we have in terms of becoming leaders and owning our badassness and our wealth and the fact that we can pay our own bills yeah you you inspired me to be more like this though because i remember on a panel someone asked you how much you earned and you said yeah and i was like i need to be like that yeah there's nothing to hide we're going to keep Emma for a little while longer and continue this conversation about how to be more badass um, because Emma is going to stay to help us answer our badass balls up that's using our combined wisdom of over 100 years of experiences mistakes lessons not really learnt Uh, tweet us your wisdom at badass women's HR and the badass balls up will be coming up after this break badass women's hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, and all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Emma Sexton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Campbell. Although Harriet isn't with us this week, we have a guest badass, Melanie Eusebi, 
plus Emma Gannon, our guest this week, to help you and help us solve all these badass balls-ups that we have. So this is a section where we use our combined wisdom of over 100 years to help try and solve your problems. So, problems this week. Nat, what are we tackling? So following a conversation we had um, a couple of shows ago about travelling alone and you know why we do it in the best places that, that we've experienced, more people have just been asking on Twitter, you know, this is going to be my first trip alone, where should I go? Um, so I thought we should actually share it and share the places that have inspired us or any top tips. Uh, so, Melanie, what would you do? Where where would you go alone? So my first trip alone was to Paris. And I know everyone's like, oh, but it's so romantic. But actually, it is a creative mecca. So if you think of, there's so many creative artists from our history who mm-hmm. have gone to Paris and they, you know, just were, they blossomed and they were single. So that yeah. was my first trip. Mm-hmm. But then with that single supplement business, sometimes I like to go on things where I'm learning stuff. So, no, I, you know, the single, it makes me upset. It really makes me upset, people. Because sometimes it's 20 or 30% of the price right? just yeah. because you're, you're traveling solo. Like like you were going to sell that room anyway. Yeah. Like not someone as fabulous as me. It really upsets me. But I sometimes go on to say I, I went on a trip a few years ago learning how to surf, um, a yoga retreat. So there were some things that I, um, sometimes I go not uh, single, but then kind of in a group environment to learn. And then with the uh, kind of, I'm going off and finding the insides of my life and my purpose. (laughs) Then Paris was kind of Western Europe. Those were really safe, amazing cities. Nice. Emma, you do a lot of traveling. Do you Mm. ever travel by yourself? Uh, Yeah, I do. I'm similar in the sense of I don't want to go too out of my comfort zone. New York is amazing for going on your own. Mm. Mainly as well because American culture, I feel like it's not weird to go to a bar on your own and just sit with a drink. Mm. I remember going out for dinner on my own and I brought my Kindle and my iPad and my phone and I was like, and books. And I was like, must have things around me, feeling so awkward. And I looked around and everyone was just drinking... No, don't feel ashamed having dinner on your own no, I really embraced it I loved it although once I did a, a weekend away and I went to Lanzarote mainly just because I needed some sun and I thought I picked a five star hotel but it wasn't that good it was full of couples or families and I would go down to dinner because it was like all it was all inclusive and sit by myself and everyone was looking at me and I'd really tried to like be badass about it but, and then I was sitting there going I'm wondering what stories they're making up about me being here by myself <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's important yeah. to feel like to go somewhere where it's embraced I feel um, in, if you were in a pub on your own here even having a drink you would be accosted yeah. I've, I've been in pubs on my own and people just feel like they can come up to you and talk to you no. yeah. although every time uh, I've sat in a bar by myself I've been chatted up but no. all inclusive come on those yeah. are dead ringers for that's coupledom isn't it mm, yeah. any all I've never I mean it was desperate times you, I needed a son I was just like anywhere anywhere <laughs> well, well, but uh, we're supposed to be helping these people that want to go <laughs> well, so uh, stay away from all inclusive stay away from all inclusive what would you so what would you if you were looking for a hotel by yourself what would you what would you be looking for I always pick really nice like five star hotels like I always go out of season so I get a really good deal on mm-hmm. a really nice five star hotel and then you get a much more interesting mix of people you get more lone people who might be there like on business travel or for different reasons so okay. I always pick and I always pick somewhere that's not like in the middle of nowhere so it's mm. near to a town there's stuff going on so okay. so my one was Rome so I went mm. to Rome and it's a city that you can just walk I, I never got lost it, it's a it's not really a grid system but if you've got some sort of nails about you and you've got a phone you can just walk for, for, for miles the you'll probably bump into like, the Colosseum and be like oh I'm back yeah, here again yeah, yeah exactly the food is great again you can sit at a table by yourself and no no one cares I you know sometimes sat with a magazine and I went for my birthday as well so I was for my birthday by myself and you can go into beautiful churches and just listen to people singing so that is my top tip if you want to go alone go away alone and it's your first time I would go to Rome yeah it sounds like city breaks the way forward mm-hmm. so I've got an interesting uh badass balls up this week so a guy who listens to the show his mum is also a big fan of a show his mum is in her 50s she's had a business with a business partner but the business partners had to step out so she's accepting that she can't run the business by herself and that she's probably got to go back into mainstream employment but everyone's saying to her you're 55 uh, you're not going to get any of the good jobs no one wants a woman in their 50s in the workplace and I was just really horrified but he was like you know my mum's really struggling what advice could you give her and I was like something got to change about this ageism mm. in the workplace what do you think Mel 
I think there there are two sides of the coin. So on one hand, there's a, a bit of a confidence swag factor that has to go on. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when, walk in like you're an elder stateswoman. Mm-hmm. You know, just walk in like you have the experience that you are lending to them if you, you know, that's what I would, I would, I would want to kind of encourage her to be able to um, kind of walk in her elder stateswoman knowledge and that she is because she has the experience and she can share that experience rather than it being kind of approaching it, approaching it from, um you know, just a, I'm not good enough or I'm too old to contribute. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't know the industry. So, you know. Yeah. But that would be the first thing. Start with the inner kind of Stop mentality. Inner yeah, elder stateswoman. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to mess with Helen Mirren. You're not going to mess with Judy Dench. That's like, true. are you really? You know, are you really going to tell them about acting? No, no, no. <laughs> You're lucky to be around them. Yeah. I can teach you some stuff. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Emma, what do you think as a millennial? How do you view people who are older? I mean, now I've seen a lot on like reverse mentoring that goes on. Like, how do you feel about older people in the workplace? Well, this actually happened to my half sister, who's in her late forties. She ran a business and it was doing well but it didn't work out and she had to go back into working at a company she's doing amazingly and she's amazing at her job she's such a badass she knows so much stuff and she runs a team in a really great way like she's not scary to them but they know if they've pissed her off like she they will know about it and actually she's realized it wasn't for her and actually it didn't work out for a reason and she's ended up in a job that's better suited for her and so kind of to your point about actresses that's I think that's got to stop that ageism you're not you're not going to hit 55 and be unsexy and unemployable that is nuts yes here here the older I get the more I'm pushing for that now what would your advice be I would and based on the fact you've probably been employed before and you've run your own business you have tons of skills to bring to an organization so I would start looking at non-exec roles and um, they're advertised you know on all the usual places but I think at, at, at 55 the world is your oyster totally and you she just... could start up another side hustle on alongside yeah. the other job yeah. as well it's... yeah Never ending. You've only got to look at Baddie Winkle and also Mother Pucker, who's a, a big blogger. Her mum has just started. Grandmother uh, Yeah, Pucker. Grandmother Pucker. And I don't know how old she is, but she's like easily 50 plus. I love so, that. Yeah, yeah, let's break that. these boundaries also, down. I, we're talking about like my dad's 50 something. And like if you saw him, you'd think he's 40 something. So I, I think it's also, I mean, you're not dead. As long as you're not dead, <laughs> you can do something. That's where I'm at. Swag it out, girl. Swag it out. Talking to swag it out. Mel, what's your badass balls up this week? So I have a friend, right? She's absolutely amazing. <laughs> a friend. She, you're asking yeah, yeah, a for friend. a friend? I'm asking okay. for a friend. I'm asking for friends. <laughs> so I have a friend. She's absolutely amazing. You know, she's on TV. She's a public speaker, you know, and also a professor. So she does all of these things where she is communicating ideas, communicating with other people however when she gets around someone she's attracted to or when she gets around just kind of males and men in general then she clams up and she just she acts like she's almost a schoolgirl. but you know before you knew how to talk to boys <laughs> and it's amazing to me because she can do anything she wants with her whole life she's she's a successful woman but then as soon as it comes to her romantic life it's just a block there's she cannot you know she cannot function Yes, this friend is me, okay? <laughs> the friend is me. <laughs> but it's amazing to me, you know? I, mm-hmm. I get ba- I'm on I'm on a show that has badass in the actual title and I'm not very badass. I will clam up. Very badass at dating. Yeah, you men will never know. Like if I'm too friendly to you, that means I'm comfortable and that means that you'll I I'm not attracted to you. <laughs> Same. If I'm the, that's Same. It. But if, if you I don't am talk to me with you touching mm, you, mm, then mm, mm, you can 100% guarantee it is never going to happen. Did it's you like, did you go to an all girls school? No, I didn't go to an all girls school. Cuz that's that is a side effect of that, I think. Just not not being around guys and then when you are, you're like, "Oh my god, another species." Oh, honestly, the, it, woe is me. Like, but I do know that there are a lot of badass women out there who struggle with the same thing. Struggle with the exact yeah. same thing. I, mean, I can't Natalie get it out. And I are being very quiet, but we, uh, we, the three of us were out last Friday, and we definitely were not dialing up the badass when it came to. We like, suck. Basically, we have no. It game. was embarrassing. Kate might embarrassing. be somewhere listening, being like, "Don't say that because that's not true." <laughs> no, it is true. We have no game. So what we're saying is, so we, so Em's going to give you some advice here, but I want everyone that's listening. <laughs> to know that as much as she's giving you this advice we suck so yeah I've got this technique basically I started practicing looking at guys like getting eye contact you know you've got to build that eye contact to get them to come over and talk to you but I find that really hard because I get really shy (laughs) but then I heard the other day that you don't look in their eyes you look in the middle of their nose you know like we're like 
that that bit between your eyebrows. So it looks like you're looking in, your eye, in their eyes, but you're not. So you avoid the shyness. So I'm going to try that. And you also look cockeyed. And if, we tried it. Yeah. It's well. like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> remember, remember at the beginning, this was like mistakes made. We may not be able to help you. Like, I'm I'm gonna do I so don't get this, but I think I hate men. Oh, I'm joking. Really? <laughs> no, on. I think it's like I get intimidated by them when I'm on a panel and everyone's over 50 in a suit and I'm there in a pink dress. Like, yeah, I can wear oh. pink and be intelligent. But that's when I get weird and clammy when I'm like, you're making me feel uncomfortable. But if you want to date them, what happens? What? Maybe it's being in a. Re- I've been in a relationship for like five and a half years, and okay. I found I find like any other man really gr- grotesque. <laughs> yeah, that's what, you're saying. what are like the millennial like dating trends? Do you like what are the dating challenges? Well, that I've your missed out on all that, and everyone's like, "Oh, what do you think about dating?" But I didn't like. I've missed out on Tinder. I've missed out because five years ago when I did go on dating things it was like guardian soulmates on a, on the, on a desktop and you had to fill out forms it was like really retro even five years ago <laughs> and what, what are your like common stories that your friends your single friends might share with you when their challenges with dating um i think it's just you know you can't tick box your life and if i'm going to go on a dating app and it says do you want kids like i i don't i won't be able to tick a box because i don't know so i think you can't like have an algorithm that suits your you know perfect match I don't believe in that I feel like you'll look up one day at a party and you'll talk to someone and they'll be the one I that's what I'm really old-fashioned see but I was hopeful like that when I was a millennial in the millennial age but then now I, I know it's a pattern it, it you know how I, I, looking at my ripe old age in my 40s I'm like oh it's a pattern now Melly so what are you going to do so I'm actually making a call out to all the listeners. It's like, if you have some tips for Melly Mel, <laughs> please, I love please that. send them. Yeah, please do. Tweet us at the Badass Women's HR. But that's the end of our third segment, our Badass Balls Up. Just want to say thank you so much, Emma, for joining us Yay! this week. Thanks for having me. Yay! Loved it. We show is amazing and badass, and I'm very honoured. If to people want to listen to your podcast and find you on Twitter, how can they find you? Um, just type in Control Alt Delete on iTunes and. And I'm at Emma Gannon on Twitter. Lovely. Thank you Come so much. So coming up after the break, we've got the backdated badass, a woman in history that you really need to know about. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, and all of the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. Join us in the conversation by tweeting us at Badass Women's Hour HR. I'm Emma Sexton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Campbell. And Harriet's missing this week, but we've got a guest badass. It's Melanie. And it's that time of the week where we talk about a backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. And this week's backdated badass comes courtesy from Shazia Salim, who joins us on the line now. Hi, ladies. Hello. Shazia, tell us uh, the backdated badass that you've chosen for us this week. Um, I've chosen... Khadija bin Khalid. Khadija is the um, the wife of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and was uh, also actually known as the first Muslim in Islam. She was born in 6th century Arabia, and she was uh, such a successful businesswoman, like a billionaireess in today's terms, but also very philanthropic as well. Um, and she, in particular, she wanted to educate girls and educate women and um, and look after women that had been abandoned by their parents. And tell us some of the things that you think we were particularly badass about. Deja. Khadija. Given the time that she was living in in particular, to be, to be a woman that handled her business, she was a mother as well, she had been widowed twice, um, to be to, to kind of handle all of that in that particular time when everything is against you, to be successful and not let this, your success go to your head, but to also be mindful of the community and the people that are looking up to you, I think is particularly remarkable. Um, and something that attracted a lot of people around her. So she used to get proposals all the time from all these men, and she would turn them down all the time because she was looking for a very genuine good person. She wasn't looking for someone on the same material wealth as her, Actually, when she um, she proposed to the Prophet Muhammad, so she was his boss. She employed him first, and then she proposed to him. She was 15 years older than him, a widow with kids, um, and she proposed to him. And um, and because of her kind of relationship with him, and he wasn't very wealthy at all. He wasn't educated, couldn't read or write, um, but she just saw genuineness in him. And I think being able to be very true to yourself and be really confident in what you're about, and not let that phrase your vision or your goals or kind of or or not let that face the the environment that you're um, in I think is really really strong 
Shaz, from a theological place, what is her her role? What's her significance in terms of religion and Islam? Is she the equivalent of, of Mary in Christianity? Give us some sense of the magnitude of her role. Yeah, sure. So she's, she's considered the first Muslim. Okay. So she basically believed in the Prophet Muhammad before he even believed in himself. Okay. Um, and she was the first one to kind of say, look, I sign up to this night and I, and I um, support what you're doing. And she did that not just by sort of pledging allegiance to him, but also giving all of her wealth to, to support him too. But, but also in terms of, you mentioned Mary, so in Islam there are four women that are called like the sort of champion women in Islam. Um, and Mary's one of them, um, the father of, uh, father of Jesus, but, and Khadija's one of them as well. Um, and her daughter, Fatima, uh, is one of them, and the wife of the, the Pharaoh is, is the fourth. So in, in terms of esteem, um, it doesn't really get much higher. Um, she's an incredible woman, and everyone really loves what she did and what she was about. Um, her, her mannerisms, her tone, her, her charitable nature, um, and how she actually supported the early Muslim empire. So there wouldn't be Islam in the way that it has come about today if it wasn't supported in its early phase. In the early phase, the early Muslims were abused, um, tortured, boycotted against, she completely shunned from society. And it's basically her wealth that she gave to the early Muslim community that allowed them to kind of eat and live and survive when everyone when everyone had turned against them. So Shaz, um, just quickly, mm. so when you, you, you suggested that you were going to do Khadija, I got really excited because it took me back to a time when we were working together in Sheffield and we set, set up an enterprise programme for young girls in Sheffield that were right. taken out of the education system because there were no single sex um, Islamic schools. So mm-hmm. they were 16 uh, plus and they were doing their A-levels and these girls were brilliant, you know, sort of A-star track. And I remember you telling, you, you stood in front of the, the room and you told the girls this story and really pressed, impressed upon them the fact that Khadija was full on badass. She proposed to Muhammad. She had her own independent wealth. And I remember seeing their eyes light up and them thinking, OK, I can be an entrepreneur. I can be someone that has my own wealth. And so it's always stuck with me. And I knew that when you, when you, you know, you present her to us, that just all of that would, would come back in that sense of you know, what it means to be an, a woman with your own independent wealth and, and really own and determine your destiny and fate and the fate of others. Absolutely. She's been my role model. I was introduced to by my father, like as a, as a person in history when I was about seven, eight years old. And she has been the role model that I look up to, that I think about uh, all the way through my childhood, my teens, my 20s, and now in my early 30s. And she's still the person that I look to. I think all of us as girls have have people that we look up to and role models we look up to, and they seem to change with time. Mm. And Khadija has been the one that has stayed right throughout because of just her nature, you know, her ambition, her drive, her, her decency. Um, and you're right, those girls that we talked to in Sheffield, their eyes lit up because they hadn't really been talked about, they, they didn't really know her. And it was fascinating to see actually what an impact that had on them because mm-hmm. suddenly you've given them a role model that is not only part of Islam, but it's, it's, it's a huge part of Islam and yeah. it's championed in Islam. And actually all of those behaviours and mindset and and um, kind of vision and goals is completely and utterly allowed in Islam. And you've got the perfect role model to look up to for that. There are so many things that she can teach us in regards to business women who are making more money than their men and who are bread mm. who are the breadwinners or the primary breadwinners of their home and um also just the fact that 15 years older you know let's let's talk about that how you know this stigma that we have around kind of cougars even with you know macron right. and the the presidency and the sorry the election mm-hmm. and all that attention being focused on his wife and just the um yeah, she. I'm so glad. I was. I had no idea. Could you heard so of now her I feel today? No, I hadn't. Me and neither. quite frankly, now my daughter is going to be called Khadija. In that <laughs> sense, yeah. 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 But it's absolutely brilliant. I think I, I. I want to do so much more in terms of pushing her out. She's going to be my next WCW. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sounds amazing. 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 I, and honestly, um, she is. She's someone that I look up to and I talk about quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of Muslim women out there when they when they are entrepreneurs and you talk to them, who's your role model? Nine times out of ten, they'll say Khadija. And then and the tenth person who doesn't say it just hasn't heard about it. But when they hear about it, they say exactly the same thing. They're like, Oh my God, I'm a Khadija. Mm-hmm. And it's and she just it's it's this it's this mannerism and tone that she had about her. When you read about her, 
when she was doing her business, there was something about her mannerism and her tone that let the men know that she was doing business with, that she was there about business, right? There was nothing else going on. Not don't don't try and flirt with me. Don't try and talk to me in that way. Like this is either you want this business or you don't want this business. And she was very firm in it. But she was, there was something actually quite loving in her nature as well that let the women around her know that it was someone that they could go to, and they could go to help and they could go to advice. And it was something really caring about her as well. Shaz, I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to blow smoke up your behind, but um, <laughs> I know that the the you were talk, talking about Khadija and I think actually in the future young girls and women are going to talk about you because oh, you set up a business um, and so not many people know this but Shaz set up a, a brand called I Eat you're stocked in Tesco and Morrison's and Asda Same and nothing, literally yeah. taking over the world and one idea that is absolutely amazing and brilliant and just I, like I feel so inspired listening to you talk about someone else because that is how young girls are going to talk about you. Thank you so, so much, Shazia. So Thank you so much, Shazia, for sharing with us your backdated badass for this week. Um, My pleasure. Thank you. So we're coming towards the end of our show. And as ever, this week, we want to leave you with something to live your life by over the next seven days. Some inspiration, something to perk you up, give you some focus. So, Nat, what is our badass principle for the week? The badass principle this week is fight smarter. And fight smarter, it's a bit of a mix of the conversation we've been having today about women owning their wealth and, you know, what they do. Um... And not being ashamed of, of saying, yeah, you know, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. Um, and the smarter as opposed to harder goes back to the business philosophy of, of smart principles. So, you know, you should be specific and all, all of these other things. And I really think that when we, you know, as activists and as women going out, living our lives, we need to think about how we can do more, not by running ourselves into the ground and trying to do everything, but doing the things that we need to do to fundamentally create a shift and change. And that's the smart bit. Great. Melanie, what does Fight Smarter mean for you? I think it means a collaboration for me that, uh, just like you said, I am not meant to do everything. I'm not meant to be everything to everyone. And there are just so many people out there who are, you know, on the same point, kind of on the same plane as me. And so I'd rather just work with them and we're all contributing in our own way rather than trying to do everything and and die in the process. (laughs) (laughs) So true. I realize that I am probably the laziest person in the world. I am always looking for the smarter way to get from A to B. It's always a better way to do some stuff if you just take a bit of a step back and go, hang on a minute, how can I still get the result I want, but probably without killing myself in the process? So, yeah. Thank you. So this has been the Badass Women's Hour with Emma Sexton and my co-host, Natalie Campbell. And we have been joined this week by the amazing Melanie Eusebi. We will be back next week. But if you liked us and want to hear more from us in the meantime, make sure you follow us on social media. You can follow the Badass Women's Hour at Badass Women's Hour HR. Or you can follow me at at Emma Sexton, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. Mel. At Melanie Eusebi. And we will see you again next week. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Camp. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Bull and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.